All right, um, I'm Melissa Myers. I own the Good Hop Bar and Bottle Shop in bright and sunny today, Oakland, California. Um, and today I'm here to talk to uh, Regan Long, who uh, is the co-founder and brewmaster of local brewing company in SF, California. Uh, this is the Brewer to Brewer podcast from All About Beer. Um, I'm super excited to be here and I'm excited to talk to Regan about whatever brew house topics outside the brew house, all the goodness that the professionals in this industry are all part of. Um, before we get to that, though, please visit allaboutbeer.com and follow on social media. And to support journalism in the beer space, check out patreon.com backslash allaboutbeer. We'll get into the conversation in just a moment, but first this message. First Tea is a proud sponsor of the Brewer to Brewer podcast. Discover the advantage of using new and unique ingredients like lemon myrtle or lapsang shushong. First Tea has been working with brewers to introduce distinctive, high-quality botanicals for innovative craft beers. They focus on being direct, flexible, and fast. You can find more about First Tea's collaborations with brewers and tea ingredients by visiting blog.firsttea.com. That's blog.firsttea.com. All About Beer is back. And we're asking for your support to help provide the independent beer media this rich and colorful industry deserves. Visit our website, allaboutbeer.com, where we're frequently posting new content. And please consider throwing us a few bucks at patreon.com slash allaboutbeer. We have low-cost memberships for individuals and small and large companies alike. Every dollar goes to help produce new articles and podcasts. Okay. Okay. Let's get into it. A little bit about my guest today. Regan Long, as I said before, is the co-founder and brewmaster of Local Brewing Company in SF, California, a boutique brewery and beer bar that was located on Bluxom Street in the heart of San Francisco. Regan co-founded Local in 2015 as the first and only woman and LGBT-owned and operated beer bar in SF. She's been the owner-operator of Local nearly eight years, blending her science degrees, physics, and oceanography with her creative side to design approachable beers and create a truly innovative and inclusive space making Local one of the most popular destination spots in Soma. Local, unfortunately, was forced to close down due to a fire in December of 2022. We will totally get back to that later. Um, but before founding Local, Regan worked as an oceanogra oceanographic engineer. Sorry about that. <laughs> Slaughtered. Um, at an innovative radar company. She worked in business as business and strategy at a fast-paced fitness startup and in business innovation at the R&D wing of a luxury car company. She also served three years as a board member of the San Francisco Brewers Guild, taught business development classes at the Food Craft Institute, and has worked closely with the SF LGBT Center to brew an annual pride beer, bring visibility and diversity to the LGBT and brewing communities. Regan, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> well, thanks. Uh, appreciate uh, you inviting me. This is fantastic. It's good to talk absolutely. to you. Absolutely. I'm super excited to talk to you today. Um, we actually met a long, long time ago. Um, okay. Actually, a really long time ago. So I wanted to just see, do you remember the first time we hung out and had some beers? I absolutely do. It was in, it was at Shotwell's um, in the mission. And uh, I was hounding you for information on uh, being a a brewer in the San Francisco beer scene. God, that probably had to have been like 2009 or something maybe like it was before I think that I was doing stuff at Thirsty Bear I don't know maybe it was a little bit after but I would say yeah probably 2009 10-ish but um but yeah I definitely remember our conversation and I was picking your brain because you were actually one of the only female brewers at the time in San Francisco and what better person to get information from uh because I was an aspiring brewer at that time so yeah, I do remember. So that's actually one of the one of the like the things that struck out for me. You know, I, I didn't know you. You just called me and said, "Hey, I was talking to Brian Hunt from Moonlight," and he said, "Yeah, you should go. You should go contact this person." Yeah. Um, you know, we got together and started chatting, and I think it was before Thirsty Bear because you were a home brewer, and I was like, "Yeah, your friends say your beer's good. Everybody's home brewing. You know, every home brewer's friends are like, I love your beer. It's great. You should open a brewery." Totally, um, yeah. <laughs> And I was like, you should talk to people who don't know you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably a better idea. Oh, um, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I remember you were like, I got a lot of questions. I want to ask you a bunch of stuff. And, um, but I, I wanted to chat with you a little bit because I remember it was at the time where like 
kind of thinking outside the box for breweries was just starting to happen, right? Like up until then it was, it's a brewery, it's a brew pub. There's not, there were no tasting rooms, you know, either you sold your beer in package or you sold it through a pub. And, um, you know, the smallest system was a seven barrel. Everything was on a very much larger scale. And you were like, no, 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 I got crazy ideas. I got all these ideas. Um, and I think you came up with some pretty creative ideas to kind of get yourself from just a home brewer, right? Um, up into the industry. Um, specifically the one I remember the most, and there's probably some other ones, but the one I remember the most is you strapping a five gallon keg to your back and wandering through Dolores Park in San Francisco, um, giving people samples. And I was like, dude, that's illegal. You cannot do that. Yeah. Except that you weren't taking money. So it gets a little blurry about (laughs) legality in that aspect. Um, but first, the one thing I forgot to talk about is what beer are you drinking right now? Oh, good. Great question. Um, I'm actually drinking, um, the metal carpal. I'm just like showing it to Melissa right now on the video. It's, um, it's a collab with laughing monk that, um, Jen Jordan and I, um, actually this is the third time we've brewed it. It's a black IPA. And, uh, I mean, weirdly that was my first sort of like commercial or scaled up brew was, uh, our 1776 IBA that we actually did as home brewers. We, we scaled it up in 2010. Um, this is a very different tasting black IPA than, uh, 13 years ago, but, um, it's fantastic. I I love it actually just one silver in the best of craft beer awards. So kudos to the laughing monk crew. Um, they brewed this uh, batch for the third time over there in, uh, I think January or something. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's a great beer. What do you drinking i am drinking um from everywhere brewing company out of orange california deep breaths czech pilsner cool nice and you know zen and mellow deep breaths yeah i love that you bring up a lot of the socal beers um so that the rest of us can uh, enjoy those so yeah, you're welcome <laughs> yeah no, I appreciate actually it. those runs are super fun you know like yeah you know, as a brewer you're like oh i'll go talk to any brewer about anything let's go chat you know absolutely absolutely so it's, it's, it's cool to get out of the, the the bay area where we all have chatted forever <laughs> definitely definitely and bring in different beer from other places that's how i feel like you learn and you know get new ideas and taste different beers so for sure i love that yeah yeah well so give us give us a little uh timeline of your home brewer to home brewer to brewery experience i know you you know you brewed I know you got to brew at a couple breweries when you were still a home brewer and I know you did some work with Thirsty Bear. And so like, kind of give us that timeline um, for any home brewers that are listening out there. I mean, everyone takes a different path, right? So you you came up in the middle of, like I said, it was this innovative time where people were thinking outside the box and how do I get a brewery attention without actually having a brewery and stuff like that. So. Yeah, it was a, it was a pretty cool time um, when I, you know, sort of um, both me and my co-founder, Sarah Fenton, were like really interested in in sort of like um, really looking at the beer scene and, and looking at how, um, you know, there was sort of, a, we felt like there was kind of a gap in the market at the time. But yeah, just a little bit of background there. Like, yeah, so I came from kind of, I originally am from Oregon. Um, so I have a lot of those connections up in Bend, Oregon and and to the craft beer community up there. So I kind of grew up with craft beer and that's how what got me into home brewing. I'm, I'm a science, scientist by academic background. And one of the things that I always love to do alongside kind of my day job was to, you know, uh, blend my science background and apply it to home brewing. So it was something that I had been doing for quite quite a while. And um, I think, you know, we just started doing it a ton in San Francisco. And one of the things I kept going back up to Oregon, Bend, Oregon in particular. And one of the things I, I originally came to San Francisco in, um, I think it was like for college in like 1997 or 96 or something. So I've been, a, you know, a resident of San Francisco for a long time, like 27 something years. And that, that but I kept, you, you've been here forever at that point, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've lived here longer than I've lived anywhere in my life, which is actually kind of a surprise. I never really thought I would be here this long. But, but one of the things I kept going back to Oregon, because it's kind of like a grounding place for me and all my various careers, I would always kind of go back there just to sort of check in with, you know, the beer scene and nature and, and I snowboard and get up there all the time and one of the things I noticed um kind of like in that you know I don't know like I was home brewing it was the mid-2000s and I'd go up to Oregon and then I'd come back to San Francisco and as you mentioned earlier in San Francisco the beer scene was very much at the time there was maybe a dozen 
like breweries ish, you know, there was, and they were either production breweries. So like speakeasy anchor, you know, those ones that just package, as you mentioned before, or there were brew pubs um, like Gordon Biersch was really popular at the time and Magnolia and Thirsty Bear, where you have brew pubs are basically producing beer just for on-site consumption for the most part. And typically they, they run parallel sec- or secondary to a restaurant. And in Oregon, there was a, there were many other places that like kind of like really featured um, beer as the forefront. It was a brewery and tap room with like, kind of like food as like a compliment, but not the forefront. And it was kind of like a, I guess more of like a brewery and, and beer bar kind of vibe. Um, and there were several of those up in Oregon and, you know, we just kept like going back and forth, really noticing that there wasn't that in San Francisco. It was just kind of like one of these two polarized ends. You either had to be a, like a really restaurant focused thing or be like a big giant, like production brewery that was distributing beer, like a few brands, maybe four or five as far and wide as possible. And so we really felt like, Hey, there's this really interesting sort of gap in San Francisco and having been a resident here for so long and really wanting to build that community of like bringing people in who really engage in, um, you know, like having a wider variety of rotating beers on tap and having customers engage in it. That was kind of the concept that we felt like was missing. And, you know, I think I had kind of a businessy background. So the idea was, you know, I was just going to start talking to a lot of people and just sort of, cause you know, it's, it's silly to think that you can go from a home brewer to a commercial brewer and, and run a business and it just be all simple and, and easy. But so I started talking to a lot of people. Brian Hunt from Moonlight was one of them, you know, Tony Lawrence who owns Boneyard Brewing up in Bend was another mentor that I really leaned on heavily. Dave McLean, you, uh, um, several others that I would just start talking to people. And it's a lot actually when we talk about it uh later in this this discussion it's a lot of what i'm doing right now because i'm reassessing the market because my brewery burned down and it's a lot of what i'm doing now is just talking to a ton of people just trying to like you know understand you know if there's an opportunity to move forward if there isn't and that was that was a lot of what i was doing i was really you know picking your brain and, and talking to other people too and at the same time you really build relationships in that process and really understand you know, uh, you know, what you're getting into. And, and I eventually then ended up speaking with, um, I actually did a similar sort of thing, which I did with you, an informational interview kind of thing with Brendan Doble, who was the brewmaster at uh, Thirsty Bear. And his, you know, um, you know, Ron, you know, who is Silverstein, who is the owner of Thirsty Bear, um, the two of them were super interested in, in just sort of giving me information. And that's the one thing I love about the beer community is that people are so willing to share information. Um, For sure. So you know, that, like, I think, yeah. I think anyone who gets in, it's like, whoa, like some, I mean, I don't know if it's as much now, but you know, when I got in, it'd be like, man, this beer is great. They'd be like, Hey, do you want the recipe? Oh, here, do you want my right. shirt? Like whatever, right? right? Like you, you yeah. have the recipe because you're going to brew it on a different system. So it's probably going to be different. You know, there's it's too many variables tr- involved. Absolutely. There, there wasn't that. And that was the same thing. I did a similar sort of thing with um, connections up at Deschutes Brewery. Like they gave me my favorite sort of, I say my gateway craft beer is um, the black, black beet porter from Deschutes. And so I try to brew that as a home brewer and like literally, you know, I have so many connections there. Many of them have moved on because this was like, I don't, yeah, 2008 or something or seven. And but they just gave me the recipe to Black Bee Porter. And I was just like, oh my God, this is amazing, you know? And it, it and it, I didn't even think it was going to be the same. It didn't matter. It was more just like, you know, I'm just being given this information to help promote my learning. And that to me was just so amazing. Cause I'm a big, I love to learn and, and all that sort of stuff. So, but one of the things that I did take away going back to uh, your question about my home brewing and how sorry I transitioned over is that getting other opinions like you if you homebrew beer like your friends are going to tell you even if your beer is a pile of shit they're going to be like great it's free beer especially back at that time you know people were just it was such a creative time and and this was like I said about t- 2008 through 2000 2010 in San Francisco it was such a really unique time there was a lot of there was SF underground market I don't know if you remember that but yeah. it was basically yeah, yeah. there was this really sort of like underground, um, like small food trucks weren't as big at the time. People were just trying to figure out ways to like have their like really amazing, like Vietnamese, you know, or dim sum or whatever kind of like super special, like they make these amazing meals and they can't and food and they just can't necessarily, they don't have the money to build a commercial kitchen or a restaurant. 
And so there were these things, Iso Rabins, he's a good friend of mine. He was the one who started SF Underground Market where he would have like one night every quarter, he would you know rent out a warehouse and people could come there and have the, this food that they couldn't get anywhere else. Um, which also was kind of like, you know, blurring the lines of legality, right? Um, yeah, but one like the- generally you need a license, right? That was that was the old school thinking of breweries is that, well, you got to have a license and you're not going to sell yeah. your, you know, the license says as a brew pub, you're not, you can't package it and sell it out. You know, like all those things were so much stricter, I guess, or yeah, they were just well, beholden to like this standard of gold where you just would not fuck with it or think outside that box, you know? Right. Well, and that's the thing with the SF underground market, they were holding these food events where people needed, normally you have to have a commercial kitchen to produce you know, or commissary kitchen to produce food that you can actually give to the public, right? So that everybody knows you're not going to get sick and all that sort of stuff. And so, but the thing is, is that it was really curated quite well. um, And it was a platform to like do things like we did homebrew workshops. We didn't, we never sold our beer, but whatever. We we basically said, hey, we'll teach you how to homebrew. Come in here. And by the way, you can taste our beer. And our whole process was to, we had feedback cards. So we would basically say, okay, you got to give us feedback. And then, and again, that goes back to some of the advice that you gave us, which was go get opinions from other people. And then that's how we also ended up, um, you know, bringing three gallon kegs to Dolores Park. I said um, five, yeah. three, whatever. Yeah, well, I was <laughs> later, it'll be a half barrel. Having- you were just like hauling a half barrel <laughs> on your back, just right through the park. I was going to say, I should have taken credit for having a, a five gallon on my back, but actually it was two, three gallon kegs in a rolling cooler. But, um, okay. but in, you know, I mean, it worked and that's the thing. I mean, we did these little tastings, we had people fill out the, the, you know, it wasn't like giant pints, whatever. And people would fill out these feedback cards and it would basically give us, you know, an overall idea of not only like, was the beer good, but like what styles did like people want, you know? And, you know, in the end, Dave McLean also gave me the same, advice this is totally illegal you're doing wrong you know but this is also like at the the pinnacle of like twitter twitter had just come out right and so like instagram wasn't even really a thing so it was just this whole like kind of like we just want to get our name out there get some feedback without spending a ton of money and uh, and then that's how i ended up then approaching we got some great feedback from the park uh, we did that you know i don't know maybe like a half dozen times something like that and then, you know, we ended up then taking some of the results of that feedback to Thirsty Bear, Ron and, and Brendan. And uh, for 2010, I basically pitched to them, you know, hey, like, can we brew this, you know, like popular black IPA, scale it up for SF Beer Week? You know, we will promote you guys for like kind of like helping this underground, like whatever, like startup getting going. And and you guys can just help us refine this recipe. And then at the same time, you know, I was working full time. So on the weekends, you know, I'd go help Brendan out. He taught me the ropes in the brewery, which he's he's great. He's done that with, I mean, probably a dozen people um, taught them how to brew. Right. And so, you know, he was so great. I remember him completely laughing at my recipe, just saying this is ridiculous, but we'll do it you know, and, you know, that's what you need. You know, you need people like that too. And, and, you know, one of the things that I think is again, in the beer industry, um, it's really interesting. Some people, I think majority is that people are willing to let people experiment, make mistakes and kind of learn from those lessons. Right. Rather than, you know, I come from kind of a physics background where people are like, no, there's a right answer and you're doing it wrong. Um, I think that that's a very close-minded, you know, viewpoint. And I think especially in the, in a beer industry or any business industry, you have to be willing to sort of push the boundaries of what's, what's okay in order to grow and innovate. So um, that's kind of the background of, I guess, how I sort of got my foot in the door, if you will. Um, uh, Which is amazing because you, in the list of people you've talked about, like you've talked to some, you talked to some pretty old school brewers, right? Who, Mm -hmm. I mean, including me was like, what are you doing? That's, oh yeah, you're outside the box. You're going to make a black IPA. Are you crazy? You know, like (laughs) all of it. Like I can hear Brendan actually laughing and being like, all right, okay, I'm going to help you with this. You know? Oh yeah. Yeah. I have a list of people of mentors is is fantastically awesome, you know, and and all definitely old school brewers. Yeah, I think it's always really important. Again, I, just for my philosophy, I think it's really important to surround yourself with with people that have different opinions than yours. And that's how you end up sort of coming to, you know, a, a go forward 
um, solution that maybe is a blend of, of um, I don't know if they call it group think or whatever, but I'm just a, a person who really likes to listen to people and their experiences. Um, and I'm always so grateful for um, people sharing their information. Like I said, it's a huge thing I love about this industry. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, definitely it's not like you're not the first home brewer who's become, who's owned a brewery, you know, like that's, right. and every home brewer I think has a different come to that place, right? How did I get here? Some of them do it really well and some of them just have a bunch of money or whatever it is, right? Like right. it runs the whole gamut of that. And I, I, I mean, I remember just being really impressed and being like, all right, man, you're coming at this in a way that I've never even thought about, or I've never seen anybody do it, you know? And, and, and I was like, you have a ton of energy. I mean, we had like an eight hour <laughs> drinking slash conversation oh yeah <laughs> slash interview yeah. or whatever you want to call it um but you know and then and then it, it was pretty quiet for a while and then I started to hear you know I'd hear your name come up here and there and uh like you said being part of the 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 beer week um thing I'm sure gave you guys a ton of visibility you know yeah that was super it was great because people really liked that beer but then one of the things that we did um to try to like again um get that validation with the with the customer market i again coming from a business background i've always been very customer centric like i just feel like you know i'm not i'm definitely not one of those brewers that's like i'm just gonna brew whatever i want to brew and people will drink it and if they don't like it they could fuck off i'm definitely not one of those people um that said, I do like to brew beers that I like, but I'm just like a, I don't know. I'm just a business person like that. I, I like to hear what customers want and it actually challenges me to maybe do things that I don't want to do. And that makes me learn something. Um, and so one of the things that we did early on after that first sort of like, you know, people were like, oh, cool. Black IPA with Thirsty Bear. Um, we were trying to then raise money for an actual our brick and mortar and we did this thing i don't even know if anyone remembers kickstarter nowadays i mean (laughs) gofundme kind of took everything over but kickstarter at the time was very brand new and it was uh, again 2010 or 11 and you in with kickstarter it was the same crowdfunding like you know kind of platform thing but you had to reach a certain goal in order to get money and so like and i think there were like maybe one or two breweries that had used it at the time. And they were like, you know, putting in like, I need $10,000 to start my brewery. And I'm just like, fuck off. I do not want to be held to accountable to start a brewery for $10,000. So, so so we started, we did this whole thing. We did a marketing campaign. We did a video. I went to Ron and and Brandon at Thirsty Bear. I said, I want to do another beer. And here's what I want to do. I want to, I want to brew another beer here. I want to, coincide it with this Kickstarter campaign. And we're going to try to raise, I can't remember what it was. It was maybe like $35,000 or something like that. You still can't start a brewery for 35. Right. Like something that seems like a lot, but, right? <laughs> yeah. But it's like These strangers are going to give me $35,000. Oh, that's a lot. Right. Enough, yeah, but, a lot. <laughs> but I wanted to try to be like, yeah, whatever. Like at least, or maybe it was, I don't remember what it was. I think it was 35 or whatever. But the point is, I was like, okay, we're going to, we're going to coincide the launch of this beer with Kickstarter And then that'll give us more visibility and we'll be able to like then use that to go get real investors. And then one of the things I realized we're kind of like first mover in that space. We got so many people to come to our events. We did events at Rosa Monday, at Thirsty Bear, at all these other places. And mind you, we're not taking any money from this. This is Thirsty Bear is getting all the money. We're just showing up at this saying, hey, like this is the kind of beer that we could produce if we owned a brewery. But we realized that, you know, a lot of people just didn't understand it. They thought they were getting that all the money from the beer was going to our fundraising campaign. And so we I I think like we only ended up raising like twenty thousand dollars and then like a lot. So we didn't get any money. And then and then, you know, and then, you know, people were just like, but your beer is great. And so, you know, it, it was just a really great like we tried something new. Um, we got the word out, but it was kind of just a really big sort of like lesson learned about being too far ahead of the camp, like kind of the curve and just being like, people just don't understand that connective tissue between like, okay, I'm having this beer, but it's actually not going to fund this. I have to then go to a, so anyway, it was a lesson learned and you know, those things are, are great. I mean, I sh- it, GoFundMe wasn't really around at that time. GoFundMe, the difference is, is basically you just get whatever money is donated to you. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was just an interesting experience, but uh, we learned a lot from it. And in the end, we just ended up getting 
you know, kind of went the route of classic raising, um, you know, investment money. And that's how we ended up opening local. I mean, but it gave you a ton of marketing, right? Like, so when I opened the Good Hop, which is about around the same time, we were looking for money around the same time. And I picked Indiegogo because Kickstarter, if you didn't make the money, they kept it all, right? Indiegogo was like, if you make the money, you get it. And we take, you know, 4%. But if you don't make the money, we're going to kick you while you're down and we're going to take like 15%, right? Like, like you didn't right, get all the right. money and we're going to take a little bit more. <laughs> right, right. Um, That's yeah, right. I go- forgot about Indiegogo. That, that was the one that was like, yeah, the good way to go for sure. Yeah. But it was, and also like people were like, was that all the money you need to open the bar? And I was like, no, it wasn't even close. But look at, you know, 150 people I don't even know gave me money, which is a marketing thing, right? So for you guys, even though, even though maybe it didn't work out as you thought it was going to work out, but you you ended up with, this troop of people who pop, you know, the, the public who knew who you were. So, I, I mean, in theory, I would hope that once you opened, they'd be like, oh my God, they're back or, you know, they're here, like we're going to go. And Yeah, it was definitely good in the sense that we had contact information from people that were interested. So when we did end up opening, I mean, that's also something that we learned kind of the hard way is that we wanted to think that San Francisco wasn't as transient <laughs> as it is. And when I say transient, I mean, like the people that, that live in San Francisco, it's a very transient community in the sense that people come and they live here for one to two years and then they bounce out. I mean, it's a completely different story now, but um, in the sense that most people have left, but earlier- They aren't coming here. (laughs) Right. It's now just a one-way path. There isn't an incoming, there's just outgoing. But but yeah, I mean, I think that that was the thing. Like when we ended up raising money or trying to raise money in Kickstarter, that was in 2011 maybe 2012 like at at the latest and we didn't open local until 2015 but we still had that email list but half the people were already gone so you know i mean it's that's one of the things that i learned too is san francisco and urban breweries especially i mean i don't again i haven't owned a brewery in another another urban environment i did learn though in san francisco that you have to constantly again going back to being customer centric you have to constantly earn your customers over and over again. You know, you don't have the, you have those regulars for one to two years and then they leave. It's not like you're in Oregon. You can't compare it to like places where people like, you know, have like decided to like nest the rest of their lives. So it's, those were like lessons that I feel like are really, really specific to urban breweries that I feel like are also really um, interesting to look at now. Um, uh, you know, whatever, eight years later, it's a totally different kind of situation. But, um, but yeah, those are, those are just like really interesting lessons that we learned along the way. Yeah. Um, I I bet like I, and it's changed even since then, right? Like we all know COVID changed everything. So even from then, I'm sure like what, and we'll talk about this in the second half, but like, what's, you know, what's your next step? And I'm sure all of those first time lessons before COVID and after COVID have (laughs) informed you in every single way, you know? Oh my um, gosh, yeah. But I did want to go back. I know, you know, in, in SF, like I was a brewer in SF for a while and, and um, you know, the, the Brewers Guild was kind of one of the first guilds. Like Colorado, Denver had a Brewers Guild um, before that, but I know that the Brewers Guild in, in San Francisco came about from a, a bunch of brewers speaking. Um, and, you know, you mentioned that you were on that board for a while. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I think, and in, and actually in talking to Kat, um, she's very much not necessarily about um, the making of the work, but the community behind it. Right. So mm-hmm. um, I, I think I'd, I'd love to hear more about the guild and, and, you know, how that operates. Um, I know lots of people in the Bay area have opinions on other, either side of that. We don't have to light on it for a long time, but um, sure. I, I don't know when your time was that you were there. Was it from at the very beginning when that guild formed or, you know, maybe give us a little background of what the guild's purpose is and, kind of how you got involved or why you got involved? Sure. No, I think it's great. I mean, one of the things, again, I came from, I'm not going to say necessarily a corporate background, but I came from kind of a business and innovative background in science and engineering and business. And I had done things like mentoring, you know, whether it be students or employees or people I managed or, or, or the other groups. And when I opened up our brick and mortar um, um, in 2015 on Bluxom Street, um, an opportunity, I mean, again, my mentors that I had really leaned on and still do to this day, you know, Dave McLean, Rob, Stil- um, 
sorry, Ron Silverstein. Um, those were two, you know, really key people for me. Um, again, Ron Silverstein was the owner of Thirsty Bear. Um, Thirsty Bear closed, but it, you know, it was open for 25 years. It, it closed during COVID. Um, Dave McLean um, opened up Magnolia Brewing, who, you know, I know that you work with, um, and he's been in the scene forever. Um, those two actually started the guild um, to, you know, really bring together and cultivate the San Francisco, you know, brewing community. I, and that was in the early 2000s, I believe. So you have to check with me on the numbers when they started it, but they, they literally started it with like, I think it was like Brews on the Bay, which is an event, like a festival event on the SF yeah. Jeremiah O'Brien on the Bay, which is awesome. Um, and it was basically just to bring together that community because San Francisco you know, really at the time, again, only had like maybe a dozen breweries. So it was to bring together the community of brewers, but also figure a way where they could like fund again, non it's a guild, it's nonprofit. So they just wanted to fund these like festival events so they could pay the SS Jeremiah O'Brien to rent out that space to do a festival, you know? And, um, you know, so kind of like a one or two, and then they had then eventually it moved into the SF Beer Week Gala, which you know, back originally, it was such a small event, but I think we all know it now as this like huge mammoth event oh, yeah. um, that brought together yeah. the giant, the entire bay, right? But, um, but at the time, it was it was relatively small and very bootstrapped, like a lot of things are in the beer community. Um, I came aboard uh, where, again, I think at the time when I opened local local in 2015, there was a lot of my types of breweries that were spinning up like Harmonic and Black Hammer and Tellermaker. And, you know, all these, like the, the concept that I said that we were trying to do with local was, it turns out we weren't the only ones that saw that opportunity or that concept. And so there were many breweries that opened up with that kind of similar vibe um, uh, in that same sort of time, two to three year time frame, like 2014, I'll say to 2017. I think we went yeah. from, yeah, like 12 breweries in San Francisco to like, I think in 2017, it was like 30, you know, there were so many, it was just an explosion, right? One of the things that we did a little bit differently is that we had a small kitchen concept. Many of the other breweries were just sort of beer, a brewery and beer bar tap room kind of thing with no food. They would maybe rely on food trucks or whatever. Um, but anyway, my point is, is that I volunteered, they needed um, additional board members for the guild at the, the time the guild had grown from like, a, you know, whatever, 10 breweries to 30. And now you need to have more board members. You know, originally it was yeah. just like Ron and Dave and then maybe one other. And then uh, they went from having three board members to five. And so um, when I opened local, I volunteered or no, somebody nominated me, I think, to be on the board as a new member. I think somebody was outgoing. And somebody nominated me and it was my first year. And I'm like, sure, I, I'm, I'm here for this. And when you're on the board, you volunteer your time and all that sort of stuff. But I was, I had been in these environments before. I was like, I'd, I'd been specifically a lot in tech and building website stuff. So I knew I could provide some value in the tech space. Um, and so uh, that's how I got on the board. I think it was nominated in that 2016, 2015 year, year timeframe. And then your board timeframe is three years. That's the time like okay. usually, unless you decide that you want to, you know, whatever um, you can uh, re up and be on a ballot to be voted to go back in and do another term. But um, I ended up just bowing out at the end of my, my three-year term. Um, but it's, you know, we, the pivotal time that I was on the board, I was on the board with Ron, um, you know, um, Dave, uh, Phil Cuddy, who is now at uh, Speakeasy Hunter's Point, but was at, at uh, Headlands. Um, and then um, Mike, who is, was a co-founder of, uh, or is a co-founder of um, uh, Fort Point, or the head brewer. Um, so it was the five of us. Um, and we were, all on the board at the pivotal time when it went from the San Francisco Brewers Guild to the Bay Area Brewers Guild. And the main difference there is that we went from a, a, a city-based guild to a regional-based guild with multiple chapters, which was a big, big um, transition. Yeah, um, for sure. And so, yeah, I mean, that was, so it was a very pivotal time um, that it is now the Bay Area's Brewers Guild instead of the San Francisco Brewers Guild. Uh, there was a lot of kind of back and forth discussion. Um, we've, you know, the guilds are amazing in the sense, especially in the brewing community. They're so great for marketing. 
community building, you know, we used to have these like brewer meetup days. Um, I think the, one of the biggest things that has been missing, you know, post COVID and post sort of the the expansion of the the guild from SF Brewers Guild to the Bay Area Brewers Guild is that there aren't these like community gatherings, you know, brewers. And that's literally the result of COVID in a lot of ways. Um, But, uh, but I still think there are ways in which brewers are connecting now digitally, which is great. Um, through the guild's resources, but yeah, it's it's amazing in the sense that it brings people together, brings communities together, and um, you know, ultimately, it brings awareness to the general public around individual brewery events, which is super important. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, like you said, it went from 10, 12 breweries to thirty to the Bay Area, which is well now probably over a hundred. I don't know. 80. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely over a hundred. Yeah. <laughs> You know, yeah. it's a lot. So, um, I, you know, I, I, part of my brewing um, upbringing was in, in Denver, Colorado, and they had a guild there, you know, so mm-hmm. I was vaguely familiar with it. It was like my first job there and I got out here and it was like, oh, a guild, right? Like, what's their function? What do they do? How, you know, are they, they just put on events and take money? No, they do other things. You know, it's the community aspect of it. Um, so thank you for talking about it. Cause I think, you know, everyone has an opinion about whatever they think is working or not working. And, and sometimes yeah. people just don't know what's happening. <laughs> you yeah. Know? I mean, that is, that is the one point of like, I think that I've learned uh, as I've left the being on the board is that in talking to more people about the guild in, in the industry is that a lot of people don't understand the purpose of the guild. Um, I mean, that sounds like in the sense that like a lot of brewers and beer industry people don't know where the money goes from these events. And that's the part that I feel like is is definitely the money is going towards producing other events and marketing and, and actually having a website that promotes all that goes through your website and puts the things that are happening at your brewery or at your tap room and they make it available that's where the money goes. It's not necessarily a money-making or profit-making thing. I just think that the reality of the situation is that a lot of people that are on the guild, whether or not it's board or otherwise, they're volunteering their time and they don't necessarily have expertise in the places of business awareness and communication and marketing and all the things that, that go into running a business. I mean, in the end, it's not a profitable business, but it is a business. And, and sometimes you need to like, figure out, you know, okay, who is contributing to providing that money for you and how do you communicate to them where that money is going? And I think that's a big, big um, opportunity um, for guilds going forward is, is being able to share that information because we all, we all are participating in those sorts of things. So. Right. For sure. For sure. Well, cool. So it looks like we are at a perfect point for a break. Um, And I look forward to the next half of this show, chatting with you about totally different topics. Awesome. First Tea is a proud sponsor of the Brewer to Brewer podcast. Discover the advantage of using new and unique ingredients like lemon myrtle or lapsang shushong. First Tea has been working with brewers to introduce distinctive, high-quality botanicals for innovative craft beers. They focus on being direct, flexible, and fast. You can find more about First Tea's collaborations with brewers and tea ingredients by visiting blog.firsttea.com. That's blog.f-i-r-s-d-t-e-a.com. All About Beer is back, and we're asking for your support to help provide the independent beer media this rich and colorful industry deserves. Visit our website, allaboutbeer.com, where we're frequently posting new content. And please consider throwing us a few bucks at patreon.com slash allaboutbeer. We have low-cost memberships for individuals and small and large companies alike. Every dollar goes to help produce new articles and podcasts. All righty, we're back for the second half. Uh, my name is Melissa Myers, and I am talking to Regan Long, the co-founder and brewmaster of Local Brewing Company in San Francisco, California. Um, real quick beer shout-out, because we're probably going to run into these in a little bit, but um, we've had a first half. I've had my first beer. You've had your first beer. Uh, yeah. What are you, you going to drink next? Well, I'm giving a shout out again to another one of our collaborative um, brews. Uh, I'm drinking the uh, Olfactory. Um, I, you know, a local, it's called Locally Real. It's our collaboration that we did with them um, for Beer Week. Um, it's a double IPA. 
Um, Olfactory, if you don't know, it's a new brewery in San Francisco. Uh, started up uh, by a couple of guys. Well, the primary um, like head brewer, lead brewer is Phil, who uh, Emerson, who was the brewmaster at Almanac, and then Max, who was a brewer at Almanac and, and a couple other places, and then Trevor and Bobby. So um, they're here in the city. I love to, to support people that are bold enough to open up in uh, 2021. So uh, in San Francisco. <laughs> So for I'm sure having, having a double ipa what are you doing oh that beer is fantastic it's on the shelves at the good hop should any of these oh, cool. listeners be uh local and looking for it we have very few left but it's up there um i'm actually drinking a gravity drop from wayfinder Ooh, i was inspired nice. by your uh your your black ipa and this is a built okay. porter so oh cool uh, the second the second half of here um all right well so Thank you, first of all, for chatting with me today. I this has been awesome, and I'm I'm stoked to be able to pin. You know, we kind of dropped on how you got here. Um, I think the guild information is fascinating. You know, as you said, like not everybody knows what it does exactly, and every guild probably runs slightly differently. But um, you know, I think it's it's great for people who are in the industry or getting into the industry who are like, what the fuck is a guild? You know? Like, yeah. <laughs> so thank you for chatting with me about that. I know sometimes it feels a little sticky or tricky because. You know, people don't necessarily know what's going on. Um, but for the second half, I really, really wanted to talk about <laughs> um, what's happening with you. Um, so yeah. if you want to give us a little bit of background about what happened in December, um, <laughs> I know, you know, we all went through COVID and, uh, you know, I think some breweries struggled. We saw some disappear. You mentioned Thirsty Bear closed during COVID. Um, I mean, I think you and I had a chat somewhere in like 20, end of 2020, 2021 of like, holy shit, <laughs> you know, yeah. like things yeah. changed a lot. And, you know, we've all been, we just went through two years. It feels like a decade and, and you yeah. guys made it through to only, you know, in December, have your brewery go down the way it went down. So I'll let you give the information on that so that I don't give any misinformation, but um, maybe tell us kind of what happened. Um, I'm very curious about your initial like week after that. I'm sure you were just like, <laughs> holy shit. Um, yeah. And then, a little bit about like what's next for you sure well um yeah so again um just want to say circle back and say thank you so much for inviting me to have this conversation with you you know i'm a big fan and so having this conversation to touch on a few of these topics is really great it's um yeah it's been fun i mean this latter part of the conversation is still a little you know, it's interesting because, um, you know, I'll be introduced to somebody or whatever and they're like, oh, you know, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I own a brewery. Oh, wait, no, I own a brewery, um, but it burned down. I'm over it. I'm not over it. But <laughs> I almost changed your bio. I was going to be like, no, because it said it says something about how it was on Bluxom Street. And I'm like, whoa, 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 the brewery still exists. Come on. And I'm like, uh, no, no, that's what you said. I'm not going to change it. <laughs> I know. That, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, I think too, I, I also should have shortened that thing down, but I mean, I had to put that in there. I literally, so to, so this week, last Friday was the opening um, home opener for the giants. And uh, we used to be, so Bluxham street was located uh, or local was located on Bluxham street, which is a couple of blocks from the ballpark. And so we were like, kind of like the off the beaten path, like local spot for pre-gaming the giants games. And people are just now learning that, uh, you know, yeah, my brewery basically um, for folks that don't know on this. So um, the, um, I was in a historical local is in a historical building um, on Bluxom Street. It's a two block long street located again, just like downtown Soma, like a couple blocks from the ballpark between fourth and fifth on uh, on Bluxom between Townsend and Brandon. And uh, so it was kind of a, a definitely like a, a local pregame, like giant spot. Um, it was uh, we established built it custom. Um, down to plugs in the wall, built all the plumbing, electrical, HVAC, completely custom um, to our design of a 10 barrel brewery and beer bar eatery um, in 2015. Uh, the building um, is actually uh, was is based in, um, it was defined in San Francisco as a historical building, building I think built in 1912. Um, and so there was a top floor, there was a neighboring business in the same building. It was a screen printing shop that shop that had been there for 30 years. And then there was a floor above the above us that was uh, basically 
artists, painters, um, sculptors, things like that. Like our, the, the original owner of the building was very adamant about trying to create a, a very cheap space for artists to still stay in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, we came in in 2015. So those people had all been in the building forever. And we came in in the bottom right-hand corner of that building in 2015 and, and built it all out to 2015 San Francisco code. So we had fire sprinklers. We had everything. Literally. Right, no, no grandfathered in for you in any way. No, no. It was like literally. <laughs> yeah nothing it was it was actually a super intense process to be permitted and go into that building um and um yeah i mean uh you know i think post-covid just going going into that really quick like we we it's south of market neighborhood in san francisco was really hit hard our pinterest their headquarters is across the street from us um you know we had adobe up the street stripe all the tech companies, that was our bread and butter, you know, Monday through Friday was these after work tech people that would come in wanting beers. They didn't want to go to a bar. We didn't serve any hard alcohol. It was just our beer and just food and bites and, and a really cool, we built our spot to be kind of like a cool, like innovative, like, you know, whatever, like modern vibey spot. And so we got to be known as this like really great destination spot, but post COVID that neighborhood got wiped out. So we were pretty much, you know, really struggling post COVID. So, you know, there was just wasn't the foot traffic. A lot of those tech companies just never returned to their offices. Um, But we still were sort of like limping along. Um, We had our outdoor space post COVID, but, but yeah, I mean, basically, um, you know, December um, got called December, the night of December 3rd, early morning, December. Yeah, it was, it was basically like two in the morning on December 3rd, we were notified by our security service and our fire service that something was going on to local and we had cameras everywhere. So popped on my phone, just saw smoke in the camera. So I drove down there and, um, and yeah, I got down there to see like five fire trucks, you know, um, 70 something firefighters, um, basically the top floor of the building um, it wasn't in my brewery, the bottom floor, the top floor, a fire had started at the very, very back of the building in one of the artist studios. Um, and uh, yeah, um, it was because there was no infrastructure on that top floor. Like there wasn't really any electrical, there was no fire prevention, there was no nothing. It went down like kindling. It was just like, like I said, a historical building, all timber. There wasn't any like, you know, you know, cement or like, like one of the things we had a storage office in the, on the top floor that I had to lease out when we built out the space because our glycol was on the roof and we had to lease out a space on the second floor to build a stack for our venting for our brew house and to support the glycol on the roof. And when we built the space, we had to make that stack put into fireproof um, drywall and right. so, so literally on the second floor, everything was char except the stack. You're like, <laughs> that took, that took stack. My brewery. yeah, it just took my brewery, yeah, my brewery, uh, you know, vents all the way to, to the roof that was still there. Um, they did say, so the, the fire was so intense in the back of the building that the roof collapsed. Um, and it actually collapsed all the way to the point to where we, again, we had to structurally again, because we built our space in 2015, we had to structurally um, support the glycol on the roof and add support there. So the roof collapsed up until where our equipment was because we had to build extra support for our equipment. So if our if that hadn't been there, the rest of the roof would have collapsed and, and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, it was super, super tragic. I mean, we, the, the reality of the situation is that they, they, the firefighters said they used hundreds of thousands of gallons of water to put out the fire. All the water came down through the floor slats. Um, and that's our damage to our brewery is smoke damage and predominantly water damage. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just been a really, yeah, kind of tragic situation. Um, it's for it through COVID, right? Like, yeah, yeah, I know it's, it, yeah, it's, it's surreal. I mean, you asked about the first couple of weeks and it was unbelievably surreal. I think for the first, I mean, I can kind of talk about it now. I used to like really kind of, I still break down. I had, I went down there to, for opening day because the amazing peeps of the giants, we have, we have great relationships with them invited me down for opening day. And like, I parked in my driveway of the brewery because (laughs) 
you know, like, well, at least I have this parking space. At least I have a parking space. <laughs> and then, you know, came back and went in there, had a beer and just like bawled my face off. It was terrible, you know, because it's like this was like my, you know, the opening week was like our biggest opening week, you know. And so it's just, you know, it's there's still no roof on the space. So all the rain has come through. So it's moldy as a brewer. It's like the like the worst situation that you can imagine. <laughs> like, I just need a pressure washer in like oh. five weeks. <laughs> I, yeah, seriously. And that's the thing, like. Uh, yeah, I can't even yeah go into it. But yeah, I mean, a lot of it was the first like week or two, I would wake up in the middle of the night thinking it was like a nightmare, you know? So, I mean, it's just, yeah, it was, it was very surreal. So that's what happened. But I bet. So um, yeah. on a, on like a, I mean, we'll talk about like maybe what you're thinking about later, but like on a very technical equipment side of that, yeah. right? I mean, our tanks are stainless and, and water damage seems like that wouldn't hurt it. Like, how, like how much of your brewery is still in there? Has most of everything just been removed and it's just a space? Yeah, no. I mean, again, I, I haven't been through anything like this. So there's a huge, like right away, the first things, like for the first month, I was actually, I had to kind of like put off even dealing with the, the trauma of it because like fire, there was like fiber. So because there was two primary businesses, there's actually a third uh, business that was there we all have insurance companies. And so, and then there's the city and everybody has their fire inspectors and their insurance companies and their adjusters and everybody has to go through and assess and you can't touch anything, you know, you know, the firefighters, you can't go in, whatever. You're like, can and, I just go um, get the, that beer? That's still good. I just want to get it out of there. You know? Oh yeah. I mean, the night of I was there and I was just not even connecting to it and the firefighters there. And there's literally a fire station right across the street. You know, I don't know if you know that, but the, you know, the, the dudes from engine eight came over and they're like friends, they know local, they, they were helping putting out the fire. And I'm just like giving them cases of beer. I'm just like, take it, you know, take it. And they're like, you know, they were so thankful, but like, that was my thing. Like, I, I just kind of didn't process. I was like, you know, just take it, whatever. But I was like, we'll be open in a month or whatever. But right. you're like, thanks. We'll see you in a little while. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, you know, I was in the hospitality mode where you just take care of your customers, yeah. you know? And it was like three in the morning and the top floor of my brewery, like above my brewery, it was literally like lit up. Yeah. It's just kind of a weird, like coping situation. But, um, but yeah, so, I mean, I'm like losing my train of thought. Where are we going here? Like the physical part. I mean, oh, the phys- yeah, the actual. It's only April, stuff. right? I'm assuming there's still a ton of insurance shit happening, and yeah, so that that's, you just can't make it move faster, whether you want it to or not. That's the thing. We've been in this like really like weird holding pattern right away. That was like I had to deal with like all those like investigators, insurance people. I, you know, then you have to like provide all of the invoices of the build out and the equipment and everything like, and I hadn't looked at that shit in seven years, you know what I mean? So there was this immediate, like, just sort of like, you know, just juggling paperwork and where is everything that's still that I need. Yeah. And so, you know, as far as the equipment goes, like in the meantime, like literally they're saying, don't touch the space. It's still like, don't touch the space as of today, but they're just now signing off. Like ultimately the, the equipment, the stainless is, is probably fine. The reality is, is there's no power to the building. It's been literally open to the sky and it's moldy and gross, you know, all of the like furniture and equipment and things like that have rusted that isn't stainless. The wood is all the bars all whatever the stainless could be salad is salvageable. The kegs are like salvageable, but that's pretty much it. Um, You know, some of the stuff that, you know, like, it's just so strange, like things like gaskets and valves. We had all these sandy buckets with everything everywhere. And then like, you know, you, and then it's just, I don't know. It's just so, it's so weird because you want to keep that stuff like clean and sanitized. It's just like, is it going to be good if I just like burn it later? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's totally, totally. you know what I mean? Like, are those clamps going to be okay? Like, I just want to get them clean again, you know? Like, do I, yeah. And it's like, I've literally thought about this as we potentially think about using this equipment going forward. Like I know it, like, you know, scientifically you burn it you boil it all that sort of stuff it'll be fine but like am I gonna be okay with that psychologically knowing you know what I mean like I don't know so it's an interesting kind of like place to be in so we'll see but yeah sure I so you know like remember seeing like your first video or two I know that when you were starting 
to to open local to be a brewer um that you had got you were um you had to brew at other breweries right like you got to make a yeah. beer on a you know a larger scale i don't know if it was a pro am mm-hmm. competition or whatever and um i had seen a post i know that you have a, a pretty awesome connection with pond farm i believe oh, yeah. is, mm-hmm. is that correct right pond farm yeah i believe yeah. they they came and brewed with you um mm-hmm. when they were trying to get open right and right i got to do a collab with them and i was like yes you know like, yeah. it all yeah, circles yeah. back around <laughs> oh yeah yeah and i know that you've been like you know you're drinking a, a collab right now um and I've seen, you know, you're clearly still actively, you know, collabing with people and, you know, I'm sure one, just keeping in the industry and still getting to brew and be in brew houses and keep your, keep the local brewing name alive. Um, but, you know, you've mentioned a couple of things like San Francisco landscape has changed pretty drastically since COVID. Yeah. You know? um, and I don't know if it's a possibility for you to go back into the original location. Maybe that's not worth it. Um knowing you and the innovation that you're like, I just keep talking to people. I just keep talking to people, you know, like who do you yeah. find, like, who do you find yourself talking to now more about this? Right. Obviously you know how to brew and you know how to open a brewery, you know how to do all of those things. You you've already done it, but um, like, who do you talk to now or who do you find, like what kind of questions do you find yourself asking um, old mentors or new mentors in a situation where you're like, well, am I going to redo all this again? Am I going to, you know, are we going to start over, not quite from scratch? Like, obviously, you know more, you've got more experience, but yeah, you know, like, what do you, what do you, what do you find the conversations you're having right now? Yeah, no, it's a really great question. Um, you know, I, I have been talking with quite a few people. I think the collaboration stuff, I think, has been really amazing. And that kind of really just stemmed from like post COVID and during COVID. During COVID, I was really just forced to literally, as you do everything at your, your place of business. Right. And so, (laughs) you know, I had really no choice, but to put everything, my entire life into local to keep it alive during COVID. And, and also one of the things that was great once we all started being able to go out and be around other people is that I, again, going back to the guild thing, it was filling the gap by doing these collaborations. We were sort of like, as brewers, we're social people. And so, you know, you wanted to like, instead of like going to an event and drinking beer with people, you're going to event and actually brewing beer with other brewers, which was a fun excuse to just see each other. And I think that, you know, I did, you know, I don't know, something like 15, 16 collaborations in 2021. And then it just sort of extended 2021, 22, extended into this phase where I had already had several collaborations in line to do for that pre-beer week thing. Beer week, again, those who don't know, it's like, you know, early February every year and the fire happened in December. So the, I did four or five collaborations um, in January that were already kind of on the books. Um, Right. Like you're lining that stuff up in December, November, whatever we all talk about ahead of time, right? We know it's coming. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. So those things were happening and and that's what, what I've been drinking here. But I think that the, you know, the just going back to like, just that camaraderie, it's been super great for me to be able to go to these collaborative events and pink boots events and things like that, where I can just as, as much as I can try to connect people. Um, that's what I'm really trying to do as much as I can now is connect people and like, you know, um, having a lot of different connections in the industry, give people more opportunities and exposures to other you know, brewers and collaborations and stuff. It's been a really great um, thing for me to focus my time on at this point. But, um, but yeah, San Francisco is hard. I mean, when I talk about people I've been, or when you ask about people that I'm speaking to now, like I'm meeting with John Martin tomorrow, that's been on the books forever. He's the owner of Drake's and Bear Republic. He's been an amazing, an amazing businessman, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. We've been talking about meeting for a while, you know, just talked to Sean O'Sullivan and Dick Cantwell the other day. I'm talking to, you know, Tony Lawrence, he's been a forever, you know, advisor. Um, You know, I think, you know, the other thing that I'm doing too is like really having, I have a pulse on a lot of the brewing community and connections there. I think, you know, there are two things that are really challenging um, when I look at trying to reassess the market in general right now, and then reassess it on a more micro scale in San Francisco. Um, San Francisco is everywhere is tough with labor, but San Francisco is really, really tough with labor. And it was before, you know, I listened to a podcast that somebody did with me in, in 2018. And I said, my main issue was staffing and it's even worse now. And, you know, when I talk to a lot of brewers these days, you know, people are having a hard time, you know, and, 
you know, and I think it's not only just money, but it's, it's again, that lack of camaraderie and, and, you know, like a lot of people are in the beer industry because they're passionate and they love their connections. But if those connections aren't there, if that's not happening, then it's kind of like, I think a little bit of that passion is lost. And so those are things I'm just listening to, uh, you know, I mean, you can open up a business, but if you don't have a team behind you, it's just worth nothing, you know? So yeah, it's, yeah. So well, I think, you know, it's, it's like you said, like you would talk to maybe a brewer at a beer festival, right. And the beer festivals are coming back slowly. Mm-hmm. They're coming back, but um, you know, a lot of those connections where you, you just start talking to somebody about whatever, because you're at an event, you both happen to be at the same event. Right. And what comes out of that is, you know, a, a collaboration where it's just the two of you and you get to have, or not just the two, you know, but it's like a smaller group and you get to have these conversations that spiral out farther than just, I'm standing here handing somebody a beer who doesn't necessarily know who we are or whatever. Right. Like, right, um, right. or you're not in the middle of marketing your beer because this person doesn't know who you are. And now you're having this conversation with the brewer. You're like, oh, I just really want to go have this side conversation over here, you know? And, yeah. Yeah. absolutely. Um, I mean, I think that that's the, the beauty of the collabs. You know, when I, when I opened the, the, the bar, I really miss brewing and, you know, people be like, how are the collabs? And I'm like, you know, th- here's the thing. Like I'm at somebody else's brew house. Like, I'm not going to be like, Hey, I'm going to grab this hose and go over here and hook up this pump. I'll see you later. You know, like <laughs> their brew house. I can't do that. Yeah. yeah you know? no, and, and in the end, it's like this pretty beautiful eight hour day where you vaguely pay attention to the beer, but you have these oh, yeah. crazy conversations, you know, from anywhere about ingredients or building, you know, that you had to reinforce a cement stack to put your glycol on the, like whatever. Right. Where someone else is like, oh, okay, yeah, I got to do that too. Or you know, whatever it is. So um, I commend you for going through what you just went through since December, but also holding on to actually what got you here in the first place, right? Which is chatting your ass off with all of the right people and finding the best mentors, you know? I think, yeah, it's part of it. And I think that the other side of it too, is that I feel like what I'm trying to do now too, is like give back that information and connect, make some connections for people that like was done for me. You know what I mean? It's like, it's that pay it forward kind of thing. It's like, if there's anything I can do for people at this point, like I have time to do that. And I just, I love that, that, you know, again, sharing that information, I am so thankful to all the people that have been a part of like helping me get to open up my spot and, and be there for like, you know, seven, eight years. And, and it wasn't easy at the very beginning of it. Like, you know, we talk about like some of the old school mentors that were just like, nah, nah, you're not doing it right. And (laughs) that's never going to (laughs) work. It's Right, right. Exactly. It's never going to work. But, you know, it's been really interesting. A lot of those people have come around. A lot of those people understand that, like, it's an evolving thing. And so, you know, as much as I can, like, share information, I try to do that and try to bring more people up, especially, you know, again, in the a space of, like, diversity and inclusion, that sounds all whatever. But I think you and I both know that, like, there needs to be that, like, safe space, you know, and just sort of being able to say, yeah, I made a mistake and I need to, like, you know, I want to have a group of people that's going to like support me going forward and growing in the industry. And, um, you know, at, at the moment, like I'm trying to like look at some potential relocation opportunities maybe, but like what I really see is going forward is like just be trying to support other people in the industry is what my main, you know, sort of purpose is at the moment. Yeah. I mean, it turns out, you know, it's, it's not just about brewing the liquid, right? Like this industry has just this vast, depth that it's it spans out to all kinds of things you know and yeah Yeah. um i i think that all of that is just as valuable as the person who brews the liquid you know i mean absolutely don't get me wrong it's awesome to brew beer oh yeah (laughs) right i know i love it i miss it so much actually yeah yeah i feel you on that (laughs) yeah i know are you getting to do any collabs lately or what um i haven't actually been doing very many collabs um I came to the, you know, it's been a long time since I've had my brew boots on in my own brewery. So uh, it's a different experience when you're not, when it's not your brewery. Um, always fun, great conversations, but it's a different experience. So yeah, it makes sense. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm living it. It's definitely different. I mean, at minimum, like I said, I'm at, like doing these collaborations, I'm just sitting back saying that I am at a pump. You guys know how those valves work. You're good. <laughs> right. Or you'll be like, that pump pump. Is it? No, no, you got it. It's cool. You got it. It's <laughs> running dry, but you got it. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. 
Well, awesome, Regan. I, I want to thank you. This has been a fantastic conversation and I'm really excited to, to, you know, turns out we've known each other for way longer um, than it seems like. So I, I'm stoked to be able to chat with you. And I mean, you, uh, you know, I admire the the fuck out of what you've done and it seems like you've come, you know, pretty full circle back to kind of, you know, reimagining whatever it is that you're going to do next. And I, I think, I think you're going to be great. For what well, it's thank worth. you again so much. <laughs> I like, you know, I always love like us like chopping it up. So this has been super fun. And uh, yeah, thank you for and it's great, like topics to talk about for sure. So really appreciate it and admire what you're doing. So uh, this has been a pleasure. Nice. Well, we'll, uh, we'll see what's next for both of us, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I'm coming over at you. Don't worry about it. I'm getting on you. All right. Well, you know what? Maybe we should we should come up with an event. Oh, we should. Something. We'll come up with yeah. some event uh, at the Good Hop. I'm in the, I'm coming over. I was there. gonna say we could brew, but you know, it's it'd be the streets of Oakland we're brewing on. I, I know. Believe me, <laughs> maybe, it's maybe maybe we'll do something else. <laughs> we're, we'll do something else. We'll do some sort of like drinking event for sure. I'm that ready for sounds, it. That sounds awesome. That sounds awesome. Um, all right. So um I want to say Regan will be back on the next episode of this show. I'm handing the the interviewer side over to to her um as the host having a conversation with a brewer of your choosing. Um, that will be on the air in two weeks to make, so make sure you tune in for that. Uh, please visit allaboutbeer.com and follow on social media and to support journalism in the beer space. Check out patreon.com backslash allaboutbeer. I'm Melissa Myers. I want to thank you, Regan, for chatting with me today. And I want to thank y'all for listening to the Brewer to Brewer podcast. Cheers. First Tea is a proud sponsor of the Brewer to Brewer podcast. Discover the advantage of using new and unique ingredients like lemon myrtle or lapsang shushan. First Tea has been working with brewers to introduce distinctive, high-quality botanicals for innovative craft beers. They focus on being direct, flexible, and fast. You can find more about First Tea's collaborations with brewers and tea ingredients by visiting blog.firsttea.com. That's blog.f-i-r-s-d. T-E-A dot com.